Hey guys, I want to start off by thanking you for keeping me on the air since 2004. I'm trying to keep everything fresh and keep bringing you content that is both enjoyable and informational. So if you could help me out by hitting me up on Instagram or Facebook and giving me some suggestions for guests, topics, and questions, I'd really appreciate it. Also, I know I, you, I've, you've heard me say this. But please, 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 please take a few moments to give me a review on iTunes. It's so important to keeping me on the air. So if you want this podcast to stick around, please get on there and drop me a line. Lastly, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Been the title sponsor of the show for a long time. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20% on everything they offer. All right. Let's get into this next episode. Hi, welcome to Days in the Wild Big Game Hunting Podcast brought to you by Phoenix Shooting Bags. Today, we're going to talk to my buddy, Rusty Smith. We're going to talk to him a little bit about uh, his past, this this season's elk hunt, and, uh, you know, shoot the shit about a couple different things, and wherever the conversation goes, it goes, and uh, hopefully we'll put, be able to pull out some nuggets out of it. What's going on, man? Man, I'm just just making it enjoying fall. Yeah, yeah. This is like um, the first fall in a long time for me. A really long time for me that I'm having a really hard time getting excited about going hunting because there's so much crap going on in my life right now yeah. that every time I feel like I'm taking. I'm taking away from one thing, you know, there's, there's always, you know, you're always borrowing from Peter to pay Paul. You're always, you know, you're always sure. t- stealing time from something to, to do what you want to do. Uh, so that obviously hasn't changed, but the, the guilt factor of it has changed substantially for me. I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a weird, really, really, really weird, um, year for me and um it's hard to be focused and and, and no, leading up leading up to this to these hunts too like i am physically not in the same shape that i normally would be in i'm yeah. not i'm not as well practiced with my equipment and i just i feel like like i don't even i think i made like one day I took some time to see if I still knew how to elk call at my house like <laughs> before I left for my elk hunt, you know? Um, sure. You know, it, it, I think I shot my bow like maybe five times this whole summer, six times. Yeah. You know, versus two or three times a week. Sure. Hell, and before that I used to do it almost every damn day, you know? Right. And now it's just like, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It happens. Been there. Totally been there before. Yeah. Uh, it does. Life Life happens, whether it's uh, things going on with work, with family, mm-hmm. outside influences, whatever it is. It, yeah. it all happens. And, and it doesn't care if it's hunting season or not. So Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it was, man, like normally... On a, in a normal year, my first two hunts or two deer hunts, uh, I'll do, you know, blacktail in California. And then August, I'll usually go either to Utah or I'll hunt here in Arizona or, um, you know, sometimes I'll throw in like Wyoming or, you know, whatever. Sure. I always have a hunt in August and, and always go to California in July because nothing else is cooking around that time. So, but. I didn't do either of those, yeah. um, and that was pro- pro- partly a product of uh, I took my family to Italy in June, like the, begin- nice. the beginning of June. So I already took away like three weeks from working, and we were super busy this summer. Had a lot going on, not to mention I spent a shit ton of money doing that, taking the kids and wife there. Sure. So... Anyway, so I was okay with not doing those two hunts, but I had like heavily invested 
in the fact that I was going to be hunting Idaho. I got my tag this year uh, in the unit that I love, and I get there. I got. I mean, I planned a ten day trip, which I usually only go for eight days. Yeah. Um, and man, it it sucked. It sucked. It sucked on a number of different levels. I, I again dealing with shit at home, and I was dealing. When we got there, there was some like drama. I, I might as well just spell it out because there was a there's a guy that works that is the caretaker of the land that I rent cabins on. Uh-huh. And the last time we were there, I shot a bull day three. Um, and we packed it out, and they couldn't understand apparently how me and Charles and Dan packed out a bull in one shot, but I we boned it out on the mountain and we took everything out. Sure. And it was only like a three mile hike. It wasn't, you know, way the frick back there. Yeah. So yeah. but I gave this guy and his friend meat, but somehow, some way they started a rumor that I just shot the elk and took the head out and left all the meat up there. Ugh. And I'm like, how is that? First off, I gave them both probably about 40 pounds each. Like, yeah, a lot, a lot of meat. That's a lot of meat, right? Yeah. Obviously I packed that out enough to, and you saw it in like in the shed hanging and all like, I don't know mm. all this shit. Like, well, it turns out that it, they were just jealous that the landowner allowed us to be there. And I'm like, you know, Charles had been haunting that area for 10 plus years. Yeah. You know, this was my third time going and like we were already hunting that area. We're hunting public land. I'm not hunting private land. I could see if it was right. like this big private ranch and you lost access to it now, but just it's just the land all he owns is like the you know four acres in front of the you know in front of the trailhead that's it you know sure it's it's not gonna like getting us ousted from that place all it's gonna do is you know force us to find another place to sleep okay we're gonna charles the toe his camper over or you know like he had been doing or we could go go down the road and get a cabin somewhere else you know it's not that big of a, you know, it's, it's not that big of an impact to us if we were to have lost that. It was just this whole big thing, and that was just like, according to the the landowner, because he believed it until we explained it to him, and I showed him. I have video of us packing the meat out because I filmed sure. it, you know, and I have pictures of us breaking it down and all that stuff because you know that's part of what I do. And sure. And when I explained it to the landlord, he was like, oh, man, he's like, he's like, you got the whole valley in here talking about this. And, you know, it was really strange because when I was there last time and he had called me after he left, he's like, hey, I gave the I gave the game and fish your number because they came in here to investigate some poaching thing. Oh, and, I, and to myself, you know, in my head, I was like, all right, well, cool, whatever. Yeah, have him call me if, he, if anything. Yeah, I never I never got a call. But it, it right. was just this whole thing, and it was it just put this like weird feeling on on the whole hunt. Like I was just pissed off. Charles was freaking like beyond pissed, worse than me. Which is, you know, I fly off the handle on everything. But yeah. and so you add all that, and then the hunting on top of it sucked. Like right. absolutely sucked. Um, as I was leaving, I found out um, that uh, you know I, I never know how, and it wasn't coming from a biologist, but some of the local guys that I talked to. A matter of fact, I yeah, I was I was talking to this guy, and he's like, yeah, they had like a thirty percent die off of of the bulls because you know a couple big storms rolled in, and they got caught up way up high, and you know. They, yeah. were, they were finding dead dead elk way up high underneath trees and stuff like that, you know. And I'm like, well, that makes sense because, I mean, comparatively, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you you saw the results of it. Yeah. Yeah, comparatively, the last time I was there, I mean, <laughs> dude, I couldn't I couldn't pick up my glasses without finding elk somewhere. You know, um, it was just it was brutal. So you That's know, you 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 and I exchanged some yep. text messages when you were up there, and yeah, you were like, this is this is different, this is tough, and it's like, yeah, it. It, uh, I, I agree with that too. Also for multiple places, we, I've yep. never seen it so different as far as where the elk were at, where they weren't at, how many I was seeing everything. Um, mm-hmm. Tough, tough year for almost everybody. It sounds like. Yeah. I had spoken to a couple of the guys that were hunting in Idaho, different units, but and you know, I got similar, similar feedback that you gave me and, yeah. you know, so fast forward, my next hunt was, you know, it's my, uh, it's my family trip and my, my kids have fall break in the beginning of October every year. And at least every other year, it's not every year we go to New York and while I'm there, I whitetail hunt because, you know, that's where I was from. That's how I learned how to hunt. And it's, it's kind of like a really nostalgic hunt for me. And I've taken some fantastic animals out of that place and so this year man i um the first day i sat i didn't see a single deer not even a doe which is fine you know you don't 100% see stuff every time but the very next morning literally at first light a buck comes down the trail comes walking to the scrape right in front of my stand and i didn't even think twice about it like I just drew back and shot him. Like I had, <laughs> didn't look, didn't look at his rack. Didn't look. At, I mean, I literally just shot the first deer that I saw. That was literally the first right. deer that I saw. Not even just the first buck, but the first deer. And and I was like, I felt terrible. I dropped him in his tracks. Um, he fell. Boom! Right there, done. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, I, I actually shot him again from just to make sure that I didn't spine them. And then when I got down sure. there, I, I noticed I didn't, um, it was just so steep of an ankle that I did clip his spine. That's why he dropped, but it went through all yeah. the vitals too. So, um, anyway, so I, but I felt bad. I was like, man, I just shot like a two and a half year old deer. I mean, I guess there's a possibility he's three and a half, but I, cause I didn't age him, but just sure. a young deer. One that I would a hundred percent passed up, um, and I did it for the wrong reasons. Like I did it because I wanted. I thought maybe it was gonna make me feel better. Sure. And I had been feeling like shit about a lot of different things, and I was like, "This is gonna, you know." In my head, I'm like, "This is gonna make me feel better," and it didn't. Like I, like I needed a win. And all it did was like you. I felt like I got a win because I cheated, or it, it was it was like very un, you know, fulfilling. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, yep. Man, I was so like upset. I mean, afterwards, I was like, all right, well, you know, I got a, I got meat now. I, you know, I'm gonna feed. We're gonna have some nice meals out of this. And then, um, one of the one of the guys that uh, works for my wife's uncle was like, hey, we're going to have this special event on Sunday at the church. Um, would you want to donate some meat? And I said, you know what, you could take pretty much all of it because I know once I leave, my wife's family not going to do shit with this meat. So, and I wasn't, there was no, there's like no processors over there. Like I couldn't have it yeah. prepared to send it back. Um, so I'm like, yeah, take it. And, you know, they they made beautiful meals out of it. And I was like, I started feeling better about it afterwards and you know by the sure. end of the by the end of the trip when I was leaving I never got a I I had located a really good buck um a, a buddy of mine that lives there uh had some video footage of him and whatnot and I was kind of dialing him in but I was still like half assing it like I wasn't I was like only hunting the mornings wasn't hunting the afternoons and the afternoons are kind of better this time of year yeah. um and you know, at the end of it all, I was like, you know what? I'm kind of glad that I, I shot that buck. Um, and, you know, and it it didn't give me what I needed and what I, like, was wanting out of it. 
which uh, I don't know. But at the end, like I kind of came to terms with it, and I felt better about everything and whatever. Sure. But, uh, I'll get off the couch now and start uh, stop uh, <laughs> having a therapy <laughs> session with you. But um, that was kind of what you know what was going on for me for the last couple months. So really, I haven't I haven't had any opportunity, and you know, other than that, and my uh, my girls have a tag right now here in Arizona, and I don't. It, it's over. It, it ends on Thursday. I don't know if we're going to be able to get them out. Yeah. Um, because soccer and this and that and school and so unless I pull them out of school, I don't know. I really don't know if it's gonna basically burn in two tags. And I yeah. Think, I think they both had two points each, which is not a whole lot, but still. Sure. Yeah. Still a tag. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You'll bounce out of it, John. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> that's my wine. We do, we... That's my wine session right now. We do. We have had those seasons and years like that. You get uh, other things going on in your life, other things on your mind. You don't put the time or the effort in that you know you have on other years. And, and yeah, sometimes it's not as, you know, rewarding personally or as satisfying to us. And, uh, you know, you'll bounce through the other stuff you deal with and um, it'll all, it'll all be back to like it used to be for you, you know, ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's what we hope anyway. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, let's, I mean, you shot even, I know you had a hard time on that hunt, but you shot a freaking awesome bull. Um, yeah. I, I'd love to hear the story start to finish on that. Yeah, just crazy. I uh, we, we experienced kind of like you and I talked some of the same things. I, you know, wasn't finding as many as many elk um wasn't finding them in the places we normally do we had you know ridiculous moisture from the winter we had although that winter was hard on the animals mm-hmm. um feed everywhere water everywhere yep. um they, you know they weren't restricted to to coming into certain water holes etc and i i had two elk tags this year mm. and i i i got really lucky and i I killed an elk on the third day of the archery hunt, um, a bull I hadn't scouted um, or anything, a bad weather day, heard him bugle, snuck in on him and, uh, and shot him. It was absolutely epic. One of those, I, I stalked all the way in and shot him at about 60 yards. He went 40 yards, dropped in front of me. Um, it was awesome. But then there was that like, man, I'm glad there's another tag opportunity because I just ended this in three days. Hmm. Uh, and which, which is great, right? But archery elk is my favorite hunt that I do out of everything I do. And the, the perfect scenario for me is, is you know, hunt the whole season and shoot one in the last few days just for the experience. Um, mm-hmm. But, it, but, it, but you know, you don't pass a really good bull when you, when you have him. And so I... I I had filled a tag already and I had a buddy that had uh, seen a bull on his trail camera um, for where I had my second tag. And he, he showed me that picture. And I was like, man, that is a killer bull. He's a seven by six. <laughs> he showed up on his camera one time, never seen him again. And I was like, well, you know, I've already got one under my belt. That's, that's the bull I'm going after. Um, I hadn't seen anything in the unit that was better than that um, in my scouting. So he kind of became the target, but uh, could never find him. I never, I never laid, I hunted for 20 days until I saw him with my eyes. Um, And it, it, you know, it wasn't big, long, full days every day. It was like some days, um, you know, I'd hunt the morning. Some days I'd hunt in the evening, some days morning and evening. Yeah, but still. But, yeah. Yeah. Still a lot of time. A lot of time. Never could locate him. And finally, 20 days after hunting for him, one morning, there he was. We weren't having amazing rut activity up to that point. I'd had a couple of days where they were really going off and it was fun. But that morning, it was like two, two small herds had met. Um, 
which is just the ultimate experience, right? That's when the chaos happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was there. So I, I've, I've actually laid physical eyes on him for the first time. And these herds coming together, there was all that commotion and chaos. Um, him and another bull, another really nice bull, uh, got into a brawl. We're watching this from like a thousand yards away. Um, full on fight. You got satellite bulls trying to steal cows, etc. And I'm thinking, well, we're in this great position. We're higher up on the mountain. The thermals are changing. They're going to work their way up to bedding areas. And I'm in a perfect spot. And those elk stayed down low. Hmm. And they took their time and then finally bedded in two ravines where I did not expect them to bed. I had not seen the elk bed there all year. Wasn't their normal bedding area. Um and I was like, well, this is, this is, this is my opportunity, but a hard opportunity. There was roughly 40, 40 and change head of elk, mm. um, in the neighborhood of like 10 of them are bulls. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like a lot of satellites, two, two big bulls, uh, the six by seven I was after and another big six and watched most of them all bed, watched the big six bed by himself. The one I was watching got into some thick, thick brush and kind of disappeared in it, um, decided I was going to try and use the, you know, wind, of course, to my advantage and try and sneak in there. I'm a, I don't know, the last, the last 10 years or so, I found I've just been able to kill my bigger bulls, um, by not talking mm-hmm. and, and sneaking in and stalking in on them. And I decided that's what I was going to do, but I, man, John, I knew it was a low percent chance because there's, you know, 80 eyes, 80 ears, right. 40 plus noses. And, uh, it, it took about an hour to get stocked down in close to him, making sure I had the wind in my favor, etc. And as I was coming up the ravine that I knew he was up and to the left in the brush, I can see a tree just going crazy. There's a bull just raking it uh, to pieces about 65, 70 yards to my right checking the wind it's still good i keep sneaking and i see another elk kind of walk through the trees above me and um every once in a blue moon that bull i was after would let out a bugle that you could tell he was he was doing from his bed Mm. Uh, and i i knew i could get close to where he was but it was so thick i was just gonna have to get in there and and wait for him to get up and move um i got into where I figured I was somewhere between about 45 to 60 yards from the last time I heard him. And I took one more step and I heard a stick pop and I turned and looked to my right and I got a six point bull bedded like 18 yards from me and he's staring at me. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just, I'm busted, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I knew it was a tough chance. I knew there were elk in there that I, I didn't have pinpointed, mm-hmm. but he's staring at me. We have a little stare off for four or five seconds and he jumps up and busts out of there. And I'm just going, Oh no. Mm. And in hindsight, it ended up being the best thing in the world. He busted out. It made the elk that was just past him raking the tree, jump up and bugle. Mm. It made a couple of other elk jump and move. And my big bull just let out this just nasty, just big old growl. Like, like, like they were coming, coming to steal his ladies. Right. Yep. Uh, and so it ended up being great. He, he maneuvered around in those trees for a little while and elk started to stand up out of beds. I watched a a six point bull, a five point bull and a spike all walk out of the trees on the hill above me. And I'm hearing him bugle going, he's, he's going to come out right there. So I start range finding all those bulls. I got the range picked. I I got my sights dialed. I'm ready to roll. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he finally walks out and I, I, I made kind of a classic mistake that I've done a million times. I think I'd learned my lesson, but he came out closer to me than those other bulls did. Mm. Um, and instead of rearranging and everything, I'm like, okay, he's, he's this much closer. I draw back and I let that arrow fly on him and I hit him, but I hit him high, mm. um, down below his spine, but it was definitely high. 
he jumps and runs about 40, 45 yards and stops and bugles. There's blood running down his side. He screams. Well, the other big six point that was bedded up the hill comes running down to him and they go at it like full on brawl. Like you see on videos of bulls just going at each other, brush flying, dust flying. Oh God. Um, it's amazing. I've got another <laughs> arrow knocked. Yeah. And I, I run up and I'm at full draw and I'm trying to get a second arrow in him. And you think you could run up and do it. And I, I can't like his butt's facing me and then his head's facing me and then his side's facing me. And they're like 30 yards and you start going, I hope I don't get ran over here. <laughs> uh, and I, I couldn't get a shot off. I had to let off and they finally stopped and he turned broadside. I drew on him. I'm ready to plug him and that other bull steps behind him. And I'm like, man, if I clean pass through him, I'm unplugging that other bull. So I, I let off and he finally turns around and walks behind some brush. I run to the other side, draw on him and I'm just blowing my reed trying to get him to stop and he will not stop. Um, so I took a moving shot, 30, 30 and change yards, stuck it in right by his like second to last rib angled up through and stuck it right in his opposite shoulder. Um, ran, ran a little over a hundred yards and piled up. Um, nice was absolutely epic like he's wounded already he's fighting another bull i've never had anything like that happen that's that's um, crazy it was just epic so super exciting to get the target bull i was after first time i'd actually laid physical eyes on him a stock that shouldn't have worked out with too many eyes ears and noses uh messed up that first shot and definitely hit him high had plenty of blood coming out but it, I assume he thought he just got an antler yeah. um, to himself and, and just kept rolling. And to be honest, he was kicking the other bull's butt still and he was wounded. Really? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which was pretty crazy. So That's nuts. Su super exciting. Super exciting to have it go down that way. But uh, what, a, what a fun hunt. Yeah, sounds like it. I, I had two similar experiences. One with bulls fighting uh, and I had a client and uh, the client shot one and they kept on fighting and that bull that got shot was winning the whole time until all of a sudden he just huh. dropped, you know, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and then uh, years ago I shot a cow and I hit her high. Um, I'm sorry. No, I hit her low. I hit her low. And I couldn't tell if it was like low enough that it was just a brisket or whatever, but I shot her and she, you know, ran like 20 yards and stopped. And then the bull came over and tried to mount her. Huh. And he was like, I, I should have tried to, I was like, this is a long time ago. I would, I, today I know I would have knocked another arrow and try to get another one in her for sure. No matter sure. what. Um, but I thought it was kind of, I don't know. I was like paralyzed by my own, uh, you know, experience, I guess maybe this has got to be at least 20 years ago, maybe more. And, uh, that bull, I like, tried to mount her and he was pushing her around and I actually never found that cow. I found like four spots where she had laid down and there was a lot of blood and then I came to this very last spot where there was a giant puddle of blood and then nothing, not a speck of blood in any direction thereafter. Just went dry. And I was like, so I remember had hearing a side-by-side -side drive down below me, um, you know, when I was giving her an hour to, to expire. And sure. I started thinking to myself, did these motherfuckers like find her? And then throw her on the back of the side by side and go. Like I don't, I, I, I couldn't figure out. But in hindsight, I think it's because I hit her too low and it was a brisket shot. And sure. She just, you know, finally plugged up. But sure, yeah, yeah, sealed off, quit bleeding. Yeah, that was. Uh, 
but I remember that like, damn, that, that bull, I wish I had a bull tag that time. It was only a cow tag I had, but he was, he was a five by five, but his, his mass was bigger than I had ever, ever seen him possibly still haven't seen just thick, just huh? chunky yeah just like my legs <laughs> you know just freaking <laughs> you know giant freaking bases and he had these crazy whale tails he was such a cool like i would have loved to oh, have shot sweet. yeah oh heck yeah i would have loved to have shot that bull, bull especially back then shit they're tough animals man it uh it shows you like with these animals, like for example, the bull I shot, he, he obviously didn't even realize he was shot, you know, and, mm. you know, sadly we hear, you know, about, uh, you know, from the other side of the fence, you know, the, the cruelty and stuff of, of hunting animals. And it kind of was a good reminder to me of, of, you know, if we're going to go hunt an animal and take an animal that it, it is a, you know, a good quick death. He, he didn't even know he was hit. Yeah. Uh, had no idea. Um, once that last arrow went in him and, and, and took him in the pump house, mm -hmm. um, it was quick, super quick and over with and, and done. You realize how, how tough they are. Yeah. It's, tough it's, animals. it's crazy. I had a few years ago, uh, I think it was 2014. So it was a little bit more than a few years ago. It was almost 10 years ago. Um, I, I shot a bull. Well, I, I had a bull coming in. He's scoring to me. I was a full draw. He was at like 20-something yards. And I had a Montana decoy set up behind me, and the wind blew and made that uh -huh. thing sway back and forth. And it spooked him right as I was squeezing uh -huh. off the shot. So he like did a 180, and I hit him in the ass. Uh -huh. And um, that bull was bugling and chasing cows for the next two three days i, I really? kept running into him yeah never didn't even bother him freaking arrow out in Man, the ass tough. yeah so they are tough yeah it's, it's crazy to see some of the uh uh broadheads and stuff guys pull out of them you know mm -hmm. that, that weren't the one that weren't the one that killed them uh, yeah, I think it was, uh, I think it was Trevor Marks from Bull Ridge Guide Services. I saw a post he did the other day and he had a collection of, of broadheads over the years of wow. know, being an outfitter and guide that he's, he's pulled out of, uh, of elk. Um, you know, some that have been in there a year less and some of them multiple years, you know, big, developed a tumor around them type scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. Makes you realize how tough so... it can be. In in Canada, this is again many many moons ago. Um, I shot a black bear, and when we dressed him out, he had a collapsed lung. Huh. And in his collapsed lung, there was a tumor, or whatever growth of some sort, and that growth was a muzzy broadhead. Holy cow! Yep. He was living off one one lung. One lung. Running off one lung. Yep. Crazy. Yeah, that's nuts. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. Do that uh, to do that crazy, to a human yeah. being. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got a paper cut. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Hit the SOS button on the inReach. <laughs> you know. You know, and it's and it's so crazy, like. We, we we hit one bad or a poor shot and they can be that tough to make it for years and then there's the flip side of that of man you hit them perfect you hit them good mm -hmm. and they go down so quick you know mm -hmm. yeah and that's what um, we all strive for of course you know absolutely absolutely but it's uh absolutely it's one of those things that uh it doesn't always happen that way you know yep if you're gonna if you're gonna hunt and do it you're gonna you're gonna have some that don't work out yeah just the way it is unfortunately unfortunately yeah so uh what other uh adventures did you have this uh this season thus far oh this is this has been an amazing one my uh my friend uh russ meyer and i went to alaska 
and hunt a caribou uh, the first week of August in the Arctic. Awesome. Um, which was epic. I've, I've done that one other time. I, I did it in September before, and we went early August, and that was absolutely epic. It's, you know, those hunts, John, like where they're so epic that my pictures, my videos, my stories won't ever do it justice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was awesome. I mean, we had experiences with Arctic grizzlies, musk ox, um, an Arctic wolf. Um, you know, I'll probably never be able to duplicate the caribou experience. We, we had one specific day that we saw over 2000 caribou. Wow. Day. Um, I've been wanting to do that for epic. a very long time. Oh, so fun. I, I took my rifle, shot mine with my rifle, Russ. I mean, if you know Russ, he's like world-class archery hunter. He, mm-hmm. he took his with his bow and, uh, it was fun. I filmed him stalking into his and, and shooting it. It was, it was epic. Um, absolutely great experience. That's one I hope to go do again. And, uh, antelope, we had, uh, just our general antelope tag for archery. Um, and I got, I got lucky and got a spot and stock archery antelope. I've never, I've never hunted antelope with a bow and, uh, wanted to do a spot and stock instead of, uh, just sitting the the blind this year so i i got a lot of failed stocks in <laughs> yeah and uh, that's the beauty of antelope hunting <laughs> you know isn't it great what a, you get what a, a lot of at bats man yeah it's such a good experience to practice your stocking skills yes uh, exactly yeah because if you bust it okay you, you know most of the time you move on to the next that's i nope. always tell people that i'm like if you deer hunt right you might you know, go on two stalks on an eight-day hunt, seven-day hunt, whatever, three stalks, maybe. Sure. And that's it. You know, yeah. you spend most of your time looking for deer. Yep. You know, where antelope, they hide in the wide open. So, you know, you're looking for the one that's in the right spot, but you're always yeah. looking at animals. And, you're, and you could do 10 stalks in a day. You know, oh, yeah. and, and okay, eventually one of them is going to go right. Like I, um, I conversely have only shot one antelope with a rifle and only one of, over water. I've all my other antelope have been spot stock with a bow. Sure. And I, I think I learned more about stalking animals from those years in the beginning especially than I learned in 10 years you know two three years of two three seasons of antelope hunting back to back I learned more than I did in 10 years of hunting all the other species sure um yeah you know it's it's probably I ha- I don't know I have such a hard time picking what I like doing the best but it's one of my favorite hunts <laughs> Well, it's one of my 20 what, favorite hunts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep but, it in the top 20, John. Yeah. But it's exactly what you described. Like if a man, if a, if, if a guy's not into hunting antelope, maybe he's just a hardcore mule deer guy or whatever. But if you, in my opinion, if you want to become better at stalking, whether it's because you want to stalk deer, you want to stalk elk, whatever it is, man, go hunt antelope. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and tell yourself you're not, you're not going to go do the blind Nothing wrong with sitting in the blind in the water. It's all great, but you want to get better at stalking. Yeah, you're not going to have the same experience for sure. Get you an antelope tag and, you know, screw it up a dozen times and and maybe and hopefully one of them will work out. But you do. You you learn a ton doing it. It's like racking in years Mm -hmm. of stalking experience into one season. Well, it's, it's all about that. So, you know, we, I've talked about this on the podcast many times and, um, Charles has picked up or has pointed out a very, he pointed out something on my podcast years ago when I had him on as a guest um, that like you talk to these guys that'll say, Oh yeah, I've been hunting for, you know, 30 years, 40 years. Mm-hmm. But like when you really talk to them, they're like, yeah, you know, they take one week a year to go, you know, 
to go hunting. So, sure, you know, 20 times seven, that's 140 days. There's, yeah. there's guys that like, you know, from, for a long time, I was myself, I was even hunting like 90 days a year. Sure. So the experience, you know, it, it, it's way different. You, you get a lot more. It's about how much actual time you're spending in the field and sure. how many um, situations you've seen and, and things that you can recognize and recall on that ultimately give you the tools to be successful. So, yeah. you know, hunt like this where, you, like, you know, like we were saying, you could go 10 stalks in a day. That that might be the equivalent of three years of mule deer hunting, <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Or, or more. It so. does so much for your so much for your confidence mm-hmm. and stuff in it. Like you, if you get to where you can stock antelope, but like makes stocking an elk like I like to do easy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, antelope are so switched on. It's like they're on crack all the time, and it's hard and to beat uh, their eyesight too. You know, that's yeah. they're that's so the cute. one thing. So, so you you do have some benefit. Like they don't. They don't hear as well, um, yep. and mainly because of the terrain. It's wide open, so the the, the the sound is different, and their sense of smell is probably not as definitely not as good as a deer. Yeah. But man, when you're dealing with wide openness, like you learn how to read terrain, you learn how to be able to stay below horizons, and you know that kind of stuff. It just really, really helps you dial that in. Yeah, they're fun. I highly recommend those. They they were tough this year, kind of like the elk, though. We, gosh, the first three days I went out, we only saw six antelope on public land. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know, we always see them on people's private and whatever, but that's always another story, trying to get permission sometimes. And uh, and, and some of that was the unit we were in. It was, I think it had had major die-off, but uh, so it was it was definitely tougher, but nonetheless every time i went was able to get multiple stocks in and and it ended up good just you know not a not a massive buck but a a great archery buck super super pleased and super proud to to get him uh yeah that's awesome so it's been fun that's been the hunt so far and got a few uh whitetail hunts coming up one in november and one in december i'm gonna head on and might do a little where are you going for for that you know i'm going to northern alberta in november hmm. uh, that should be great for freaking deer is up yeah. there amazing gosh they're awesome i went last year and didn't take one um not for lack of opportunities but looking for the right one mm-hmm. uh, and it was awesome the, the, the deer up there are massive I, I don't just mean antler size i mean body size mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they are huge yeah um I'm super, super excited to go back and do that one. And then I, I got a muzzleloader tag in Kansas in December. So, Oh, that's pretty cool. I've, I've never hunted Kansas. I, I've got quite a few points over there. I, I don't know why I haven't, I'll be, I just keep putting in for bonus points, but I need to, I need to put in for the draw and get a, get a muley tag or maybe even the whitetail. But, um, yeah, the body size you were saying, everything, so I we hunt South Dakota every year. That's my next hunt. Um yeah. and I guide there. Um uh, my best well not actually not my best. My best buck was I shot in September, but my best rut buck there in November, um he was three hundred and thirty pounds on the hoof. It's a friggin' cow elk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Friggin' giant. <laughs> giant 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 this is no grab him by the antlers and drag him out kind of you know there was there's none of that happening it's uh yeah when they're big like that it's it's tricky too i noticed on those ones in canada like you might look and go oh that's a nice buck and a lot of times you Mm -hmm. you you, you've guessed incorrectly yeah very deceiving um the the guy i go up and and uh hunt with a couple of years ago, they they killed a buck that went 400 pounds. Oh, dang! Um, That's huge. And they they consistently find 
a lot of their bucks are in that like 350-ish range and they're they're whitetail they're just yeah they're just tanks just right. absolute tanks that's baddie that's crazy yeah i'm pretty excited for that one i yeah i, I enjoy that hunt no matter how it turns out it's it's a lot of fun yeah that south dakota trip is my favorite of the year um and um you doing spot and stock out yeah there? is that what you're doing john well that's like the cool thing about that area it's where like the west meets the midwest and yeah. everything goes everything goes calling decoying spot and stock sit in tree stands sit in water like everything that works anywhere works there like rattling sure. you know yeah, you could get away with that stuff. Like if you go mule deer hunting here in Arizona or whatever, coos deer hunting, sure. you could probably rattle a buck in if the situation's right. You could kind of grunt them in. You know, every once in a while, I, I've done tree stand hunting here, but it's not It's not your first choice. Like none of sure. it's your, your first choice is spot and stalk because that's the most, well, your best opportunity is probably setting water, but spot and stalk is your best opportunity to actually see a deer and 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 try to make something happen over there sure, like literally there. you know hey i don't feel like going to hike all over the damn hills today i'm gonna go sit a tree stand or i'm gonna go sit on that fence row right there and hopefully deer will walk by me and go into the crp or you know like that yeah. happens it's like you got it's like it's like multiple different habitats. You have all this ag fields and stuff up top. And then you have these, instead of going up on mountains, you have deep canyons, like where yeah. a creek, you know, creek runs through or whatever. And it's like a, you know, I think I want to say it's six or 700 feet elevation change from the top to the bottom. So it's not like crazy, yeah. crazy, but, but they're wide, you know, they're a mile across. And, yeah. um, it's all cedars and stuff like that. And you just like, oh, Hey, now I'm, uh, now I'm in the West, you know, now I'm spotting yeah. stalking and I'm in the West. I can go sit on a freaking, you know, uh, inside corner on a cornfield up there or go sit on that windbreak or whatever. And I'm in the Midwest, you know, and it's just, yeah. it's, it's, it's an awesome experience. Like really. That is awesome. Uh, I, I think that's great. Yeah. You have all those different opportunities and different ways it can go down. There's always a little bit of unknown there that makes it fun, I'll bet. Yeah, so, so you, you know, you don't have – all your eggs aren't in one basket, you know. Yeah. And you can hunt whitetail and muleys, so. Yeah, that's great. That's great, too. So your ta the tag's good for both, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. The archer tag nice. is. If you, rifle tags are different. It. Yeah. Never done it out there before, so. And there's, I mean, really, honestly, the public land is that the hunting on the public land is not bad. I did it for many years before I, you know, was able to secure private land. But, sure. um, and I, I've taken, I don't know how many different deer out of there, but I, I've only, not, I've only gone twice and not, and not killed. Um, Gosh. you know, and I've been, I think, consistently going almost every year since 2006. High so. success rate. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a game rich environment. There's a lot sure. of deer. And uh if you're smart, and like I said, you you I have all the tools. I've I you know, I I'm a very accomplished white whitetail hunter, wrote books about it. Uh so I have yeah. all those tools and then I have all my western hunting tools, so you know, it lends itself to to success because of that. You know. They're, the deer aren't any That's stupider. Awesome. They're, they're not any easier to, to shoot, <laughs> you know. Right. But it's just, it's it's great terrain. There's a lot of deer. And, you know, um, if, if anything, it's kind of a lot of, a lot of it's wide open. If they see you dropping down, you know, 900 yards away and you've got to come through an open space, they see you, they're gone. You know, it's not, yeah. a, it's not a gimme hunt, but there's a lot of, uh, sure. There's a lot of things you can do to make it happen, which is, you know, all anybody can ask for. Sure. Absolutely. Now that sounds awesome. Yeah. And then after that, let's see, what do I got? I have a sand hill crane tag here in Arizona, 
which nice. everybody, and I've never, never, ever even looked into it um, previously. And I, I started looking into it this year. And I'm like, you know what, man, I got like 10 points. I'm going to put in like, I mean, I don't need any, I don't know why I'm still building points for this thing and I'm not going to do right. it. And I didn't do the research that I needed to do to, to get a tag. I just kind of looked at the dates and said, oh, I'm going to take this tag in this unit. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it turns out the unit that I have is like the toughest of them all to get it done. <laughs> oh, no. And I, and honestly, I called around to talk to outfitters. I'm like, I'm, I think I'm going to get a guide. You know, I, I just want to. I've never done it. I have no, no idea how to hunt them, nowhere idea where to go. Um, you know, I don't have decoys. I don't have layout blind. I don't have any of this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, even the outfitters are like, yeah, we don't guide there. There's not enough. There's not enough birds in that unit. I'm like, fuck. Uh, I'm like, dude, this sucks. I'm like, I want to pay somebody to take me honey. I can't even pay somebody to take me honey. So I don't even know. I don't even know what's going to go on with that hunt, but I got that tag. And then, um, we're probably going to end up turning it in. Cause my wife, um, my, my wife drew a rut coos deer rifle tag. So, oh, sweet. but we might turn that tag in. Cause I don't know if we're going to be able to make it happen just cause it's right. Yeah. It's right in the holidays. Um, and uh I don't know. We got a bunch of shit going on. I got a bunch yeah, of bunch of clients for January and February for deer and Havelina, but yeah, pretty much I don't have much much this year, man. Like I said, it's uh it's kind of a weird year. But uh Yeah. I'm gonna make make whatever happen that I can make happen, I guess. Yeah. That's the the nice thing for us here, whatever happens with our fall hunts, we got, uh, we can start chasing lions in December. Yeah. So it's always a good way for us to kind of end the year and start the new year's is just chasing some cats. If, if things don't go well or as exciting. So, yeah. You have a bunch of dogs or, um, well, was that dogs? Do we have hounds? Is that what yeah. you said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just have a couple now. Uh, my, my brother, has a good pile of them still. I, I grew up in a houndsman family. We mm -hmm. like my brother and I are like fourth generation in that, that family, our boys fifth and it's getting tough. Our Idaho's changed their, their rules and laws on lions the last couple of years to where it hasn't been real beneficial for houndsmen. They've, they've, they've kind of wiped them out. They, they opened it up into a free for all, but uh, um, just got to do a lot more traveling to find them a lot harder to find them. But uh Still fun to go chase them. We've I, I did a lot of work for years. My brother um, is the main lion guy. He he was doing work for the Teton Cougar Project for fifteen to seventeen years, radio collar and cats. And I have the oh, cool. the privilege of of spending a lot of those years helping uh, him work over there. So somebody paid us to catch mountain lions and radio collar them. You know, it was nice. Yeah, hell yeah, that's awesome. Um, catch and release too. Uh, it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Like we, we, we don't, we don't kill too many and our numbers are so low. We don't kill too many cause we want to chase one again the next day. But, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, over there it was great. Catch them, radio collar them, take blood samples, um, help, help study, uh, you know, the predation check, check kill sites, all that kind of stuff. It was a, it was a good time. And so running cats has never gotten old to me. I've done it my whole life and it's still fun to go walk up to a tree with a, a lion in it with your hounds underneath, even, even though I've done it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, it's, it never gets old. Okay. We're going to bring your, your, uh, your, your brother's dogs down here, man. We'll, we'll, we'll run some cats. Yeah, there's, they're, they're good. He's, he's been running a lot in multiple States the last few years. And so is, uh, you know, up where we are, we're, we're pretty much running in snow most of the time, but he's, He's gotten some really, some really good dry ground dogs, uh, running in some other States the last few years. So nice. he keeps good ones. He's got really good ones. My, mine are so, so <laughs> his are really good. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, at one point I was, I was trying to, uh, I was trying to have one dog 
for that. Not that I was going to go, run, you know, run one dog, but I, I wanted to take that one dog and I would go running with my friends who had, sure. who had multiple dogs, you know, um, there was a red bone coon hound and, um, yeah, I end up, I end up having to give him away. Um, but, uh, and, and then never, that never came to fruition, but I have the, I have yeah. two Vishlas right now and they're both trained on how to find antlers, even though I never take them shed hunting. Cause <laughs> I don't go shed hunting, um, that, and there's so many snakes that time of year. It's kind of, yeah, kind of tough. Yeah, because our, our yeah, deer that's... don't shed till like May. That late, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's freaking Man. crazy. And the elk, you know, even the elk, they're what, like April? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, they're always late. Dogs are fun. Dogs are a good time. Mm-hmm. But they do take they do take a real ridiculous amount of time and and work, so. That's for sure. That's the tough part. That's the tough part. Well, Anyway, um, you got anything uh, else you want to share with us? Otherwise, I'll uh, I'll let you get back to no, your day. You know, I I just uh, I mean I've I've mentioned this to you before, but you know, just so you know, I I just sure appreciate you and the guys at uh, over at Hal and stuff and all the work you guys have been doing for for all of us hunters that are out there. Like I I, I hope people are seeing and, and recognizing the, the issues and the, the battles that we're up against as hunters with the, you know, the trying to get rid of trophy hunting in Colorado and every, almost every state seems to have some, some battle going on. And, uh, yeah. And if it's not there now, it'll, it will be, trust me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If it's not, it's coming. And I don't know, John, I think, I think a majority of dedicated hunters, like want to battle those things, but some of them don't know how some of them just don't take the time to get involved, et cetera. And, and I hope we're, we're getting more and more of those people to want to be involved, but mm-hmm. no matter what, I, I appreciate the work you guys do over there because Thank you, you. you guys, you guys make it easier and better for that group that goes, ah, yeah, I, I really want to make a difference, but I don't know how you guys have created a way for average Joe Hunter uh, to be able to get involved and have their voice be heard and make a difference. Um, And I hope you guys are seeing more and more people, um, you know, come follow your page, get to the website, submit stuff. I hope you are. And, and uh, I think there's definitely a, you know, a big group of us out there that are trying to push for people to follow you guys and, and, take advantage of what you guys have made for us. I, it's, it's scary. I mean, I go, I go read all the, the issues and concerns and it's, it is scary when you start to realize it is coming to your state. Maybe that mm-hmm. issue is something that, that I don't care about the hunter thinks, but doesn't matter. It's, it's coming down the pipeline to whatever species it is. You do like the hunt or whatever thing you like. If it's not now it's coming. And I just, I just hope you guys, realize that that we appreciate you i appreciate you appreciate all the the effort you guys put in there wow that's awesome i it, we you know it does it helps it helps uh us keep going you know to see the gratitude and and feel the appreciation um because yeah. you know and, and and i shouldn't say it's it's rewardless because obviously we're 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 doing this to protect hunting because we love hunting and that, that in itself is the reward. Um, yeah, you know, but unfortunately there's, there's a lot of people that get into this stuff because of financial incentives and, you know, that, uh, that's a whole nother story, but, um, yeah, yeah, we, we do definitely see, um, it's steady it's a steady progression. We've been moving forward since day one, which is great. Um, I get a little, uh, I don't know what the word is, but maybe pessimistic, I guess. Cause I feel like we should be even further along. Um, right. I feel like, 
that people should want to be more involved, uh, you know, than, than we have. And it's, uh, that, that part to me gets frustrating, you know, cause I, I yeah. look at things like, well, for instance, like the very first thing that kind of sparked the mechanism that we use is when uh-huh. Charles and I did a, um, change.org petition to save bear hunting in California three years ago. Um, and we got like 20 something thousand signatures and there was like over $18,000 donated to that. What people don't realize is you're, you're just giving that money to change.org. So change.org says, Hey, uh, you can do much more for this you know, for this issue, if you donate $5 and people right. are like, all right, cool. I'm going to donate $5. I'm going to do more for it. But what, what that means is they're just going to open it up. You just paid them to open it up to the next, uh, number of emails. Sure. And the crazy thing was, is that, so we had, you know, we were able to look at the metrics of that. And this was a big realization to me um, after the fact. But so I said there was 20, let's say there's 20,000 people that signed that petition. Um, I want to say 20% of those that signed it were people that didn't know what they were signing and were actually... Maybe not anti-hunters, but they weren't hunters. Sure. Okay. But that 20% of the people that signed it made up 65% of the donations. Wow. So that's kind of telling. Um, yeah. You know, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to come out and say that, that hunters are a bunch of cheap bastards, but, <laughs> but it's like... Um, you know, it just, when you're, when you're faced against this, this opposition that has this level of dedication that they get involved way more than hunters do, that they're willing yeah. to spend more. So we, we spend a shit ton of money. We'll, I mean, we'll spend $750,000 to, to win a freaking Arizona strip tag, but right. you know, so there we have no problems. Like we'll. If there's something in it for us, tangible, we'll we'll do it. You know, if I I'll spend two hundred fifty dollars to take a you know a, a course from Joe Schmo about elk hunting, um, because it's going to improve my success rate. But I'm not going to spend two hundred fifty dollars to you know ensure that I have the right to hunt. You know, right. like that mentality. Um, that's that to me has been the biggest like disappointment is sure is having these realizations. Cause I, I guess I didn't have them prior because I just viewed things from, from my perspective. Um, and you know, until I, I found out about certain things, I, I was a guy that, you know, had a membership to every org out there. Um, yeah, I felt like, you know, it was buying me. Uh, I guess uh, I don't know what the word is, but like good fortune or something, <laughs> you know, yeah. maybe karma, um, whatever the case may be. But I just felt like that's hey, that's the least I can do. I'm not gonna. I don't have the time to get involved in this or the time to get involved in this. So you know, let me throw money at it, whatever. And, and I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do because that it's definitely not. Um, you know, being involved is probably the most valuable, uh, secondary to, to the funding, but you know, all this stuff takes money to run. Yeah. Um, yep. you know, Alpha wildlife is a ex- a really expensive monthly nut to cover, um, for the, for the technology that makes it all work. But, yeah. you know, anyway, I digress. I don't well, want to. <laughs> no, it's. It's good. Like I, 
I know for me, as I've gotten older, I've wanted to get more involved in stuff um, or more willing to, because it's, what's that quote? There's like the phrase that something like, uh, blessed are those who plant trees under yes. whose shade they'll never sit, right? Yes, it's, um, it's, it's actually what it is. The, the quote is, is um, it's a Greek proverb, and society grows when old men plant trees of which the shade they would knowing that this, you know, they'll never sit underneath the shade of those trees basically. Yeah. And And that's what we need people to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I think about my, my kids and the awesome hunting experiences I've had that have helped shape and form my life. And I'm like, man, are my kids or my grandkids are going to have those same opportunities. Right. And I start to go, man, I'm scared they won't. Uh, So yeah. What can I do now? to maybe not be that selfish hunter and help my kids, my grandkids, etc. So, yep. Yep. hundred anyway. percent. Well, man, I appreciate you. Yeah. Um, thank you for getting involved in, in all that you've gotten involved in with Al and thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing the stories with us. Appreciate yeah, you. I was John. You bet. Always. All right, buddy. Okay. Thanks, John. Take it easy.